You're listening to From the Field, a podcast helping ministry leaders think differently, thrive personally, and lead thoughtfully. My name is Ryan Hughley. I'm lead pastor of Ridgeline Church in Salt Lake City, Utah, and the founder of Telio, a care and formation ministry for pastors. My name is Tyler Dravitz. I'm the executive pastor at Ridgeline Church, and I also lead a company called MyXP, where we help pastors solve problems by, by providing remote executive pastor support to churches around the country. All right. You ready to jump back into ministry stuff and not just talk Regular. about Disney? Well, I mean, I could. A lot of new <laughs> Disney stuff's come out. Should we just do an I, update? No, I will say I feel like, and I had one other person tell me that's someone that knows us both really mm-hmm. well, that really did say they felt like you, you've you never been more engaged and more lit up than the one episode we did about Disney. That's not true. It's 100% true. I, was, if, I think if you really had your choice, we would be hosting a Disney podcast. I love talking about ministry as well. I know, but you like Disney more. But Disney's, yeah, because I'm Because it's your hobby. Because I'm working. Yeah. Everyone wants to talk about their hobby. It's totally true. Oh, well, on this topic, I got okay. a question for right. us today. A Disney okay? question? Before, no, it's not oh, Disney. Well, maybe your answer will be Disney. We'll see. So before we jump in uh, back to this conversation on the vital few, what would you change about your current career? So not necessarily oh. change careers, yeah. but like, can you think of like maybe something that maybe just like where you're at in this station in life is like um, your biggest pain point that you would, that you would change? No, I mean, I think, um, you know, at some point we're going to do an episode or a couple on like helping people understand what my XP is and, and that kind of thing. The same thing for Telio, all of that. I think the biggest thing is just helping people understand how to interact with it and yeah. how to get, you know, I, I think it's, it's one of those things that it's both ways that it's meaningful work for me and my team mm-hmm. and also that it adds value to the church yeah. and, and what they're doing. And so I think that does take some exploration. It takes some like further conversation, all mm-hmm. of those. And, and that, um, that sort of like rocky road, I don't care for at all. Yeah. As a matter of fact, the first few years, so my XP is going to be, I think, I think it's five years, right? No, 2017. Before. And okay, so yeah. four years. I've lived in Utah 17th. for three years. Yep. So we started the year before that, basically, right? It's not the same age as years we've lived here, is it? Yeah, it is, because we started right there. So it, Oh, yeah. yeah. So th- will this be our fourth year living here? Mm, year, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. it will be. It's crazy. Yep. Uh, so... Because uh, it was 2017 is when I did the EIN. That's my. Mm. That's how I did mm-hmm. the anniversary. Because that was like it's real, and I'm gonna have to do some work to close it if I don't make yeah. it happen. Um, and so it was uh, August 11th of 2017, and so we're coming up on four years. And the first two and a half to three, all I did was onboard because you know you mm-hmm. start small, and so that pain point was just constant. Yeah. And I think now I always have, you know, we always have someone starting on, but also have a good collection of really. Um, uh, kind of connected and committed church partners that we have yeah. that like understand. And so I just like that a lot better. So I'm not so much so sure that it's what I would change about right now, Yeah, but it's for sure what I would have changed about back then. Yeah. <laughs> by, by and large, from my observation over the last four years, <clears throat> I think where we've had a sticking point at times with my XP and it's, this is, I think one of the chal- inherent challenges in the model yeah. is that by and large, we are working with newer churches. Yeah. Um, and so we have served in the past four years, some lead pastors that have never had an executive pastor before. Right. And there is sometimes a misnomer with lead pastors that like the, 
lead pa- or the executive pastor is like your messiah that you find to hire sure. that takes away all the problems in your life, even yeah. the one. But they don't understand that really an executive pastor's primary responsibility is to execute the vision that you set forth. Sure. And sometimes the uh, that there's a learning curve on that. Totally. And so there, there's just sometimes been this expectation of like, you're just going to make everything perfect and my church is going to grow because we use my XP. Right. Well, that's not what my XP is at all. No. Our job is to help you solve problems that you identify for us. Yes. And so that can be tricky. Because from Zoom, I can't tell what they are right, really. Right. And, and granted, there are all kinds of indicators, financial indicators, sure. all sorts of system health that we can work on and address. But then... Uh, I do think um, I've swung a lot of different ways on this, but uh, I think most pastors want to believe that their church is unique like a unicorn, Mm -hmm. and it's the only one like that. And I think that I uh, used to believe that for sure every church is unique, and then I started realizing, no, they're all about the same. Mm -hmm. But I do think context really matters. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was even listening to a podcast the other day that just talked about you cannot go to a conference and take someone's mm-hmm. prescribed method yeah. and like come to your and and that's what helped them blow up right. and then come to your church and do the exact same thing the exact same way right um, and so that's that's been interesting trying to come up with systems and processes that can apply sort of universally to churches around the country yeah. but then also being able to sort of custom fit them for the needs of the individual church. And yeah. so, yeah, it's, it, it's mega, for mega sure churches never have been making a lot of money for a lot of years saying that Hosting their, that conference? their yeah. method is the reason. <laughs> and it's not that the method doesn't matter, but yeah. it's a method in a particular context. And there's always a backstory yeah. about why, but they, but the conference happens and it's like, well, it's just the method. So do right. these five things and you'll see it too. When right. you're in a different context and you yeah. don't have the backstory. Right. Exactly. And God didn't decide to do that for yeah. you. Yeah, so, I think I think yeah. for me, um, what would I change? Um, I love leading Ridgeline, um, especially in this season that we're in right now. I would say a big shift for me in my own heart has been I still love to teach, you know, uh-huh. and I even enjoy preparation and study, which I didn't used to. I used mm. to say, like, I love to preach, but I hate the preparation. That's mm-hmm. not even true anymore. I like the preparation and the study. And I really like meeting with people in mm. our church. Yeah. Like I like to sit with people one on not not You've just like doing that all groups, day, all day today. Yeah, <laughs> um, I love it. I feel like I just don't feel like even with. I think that as a as a preacher teacher, like we have Bible that should give us confidence that when the Word of God is preached, that God does something. Mm-hmm. But you you don't always get to ex- like see the fruit of that as the teacher. You just mm-hmm. have to walk away going like, Oof, well, I hope that connected. Sure. Um, and I find that when I get to sit with people, look them in the eye, hear their story, like you can see God working. Like I, I experienced that like three times today of yeah. just like a very deep, profound moment in which mm. the Holy Spirit was working in this conversation with this person. Yeah. And I just find that, exceptionally meaningful. I think mm-hmm. the things that I get that I'm in this stage of life, like I'm tired of thinking about how, even though, I mean, it's something that we care about and the work that we do, I, you know, like 
constantly thinking about how do we help people get connected? Oh yeah. How do we like, I get tired of solving mm-hmm. problems over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And so I think I heard this, I'm reading Eugene uh, Peterson's, the biography that was just written about him. And he came to a, a season of pretty severe burnout mm-hmm. because of how much he was doing in his church. And sure. there's this amazing story where he walks into, he leaves dinner with his family which he almost always ate dinner in like a three-piece suit early on in ministry because it was like, I mean, that's like what he wore as a pastor. Oh, got it, got it. So he'd come home from from church and he'd sit down to dinner with the family and then he'd go back. He was going back to an elder meeting and he sat down and he was clearly agitated and frustrated mm-hmm. because of a conversation he'd had with one of his kids where they were basically like, be awesome if you were home ever, dad. Sure. And so he walks into this elder meeting and is clearly leaking his frustration. And so yeah. they, they asked him like, well, what do you like? What's the problem? And he's like, I'm, I'm tired of building this damn church. Mm. That's what he was like. I'm not tired of teaching. I'm not tired of meeting with people and being a pastor. I'm tired of building this. Like, and yeah. I would say like, there was something in that that resonated with me. That part gets tiring. Yeah. The constantly trying to like put the infrastructure in place mm-hmm. so that this thing can continue to grow. Sure. And to recognize that there's always that, is it Rick Warren who talks about the parade yeah. of people? You're always preaching to a parade. People yeah, are coming, the, people yeah. are there, people, and people are, are leaving. Going. Yeah. And especially like when you couple that feeling with what we've experienced through COVID, what so many pastors have mm-hmm. experienced where um, we have largely a new church, still an awesome church, yeah, but almost brand new. Like you new had people. a meeting with someone today I have never met before. Yep. And I just feel like that's not normative in uh, my experience. Right. I, I typically know most everyone. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and she's in our teaching lab. Right. <laughs> like she's I know. like legit part of our church now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Happened quick and you'd never even met her. Nope. Exactly. And so I just think that, um, yeah, that I can imagine that's, uh, that's really challenging, especially right now because I just, uh, you know, we, we talked about earlier in the podcast the importance of focusing on replanting our church. Mm-hmm. And um, that's like a fun thing to say on a podcast. The actual like sweat and tears work of it, I'm not loving. Right, because it's all that work that I'm talking about. It's right. like, it's all the infrastructure work. It's all mm-hmm. the building work. It's all the, and that. Getting people serving and on time and, and I what didn't, we're going like, to talk about today, for sure. Full disclosure, neither one of us aspired to plant a second church. We really did no. it out of necessity. And, I definitely and I wa- I did want not. I want to go on the record. I don't have a third in me. Well, we're, but that's what I'm saying. We're kind of doing it now. That's well, yes, kind of how yeah, it feels. Right. Okay. It's yeah, like, yeah, that's good this, this sort of feels like, oh, Lord, I didn't want to do two now, thanks COVID, we're doing mm-hmm. it a third time. It's the yeah. same one, but it's the same kind of work. And I'm just tired. We have, yeah, <laughs> just thankfully we have like stuff and a little bit <laughs> That's of That's right. We don't have to order equipment this time. Yeah. People kind of know how to serve, I don't which we'll to talk un- about un- today. And unbox things, yeah. yeah but that otherwise that's nice. it. All right, so. And I know we're going to make payroll this week. That's right. That's right. (laughs) That's what we got. All right. All right, so for people that might be joining us for the first time, we have been having a conversation for the last few weeks about a document that we call The Vital Few, which is uh, this handful of commitments that we have that we believe go into building a faithful and fruitful church. And so we've talked about uh, life-changing worship services. I think we talked about uh, creating environments that uh, people can get connected in to one another. And this week, we're going to talk about what we call missional team service, mm-hmm. right? So 
about, I don't know what it was at this point, probably seven, eight years ago, we wrote this document called The Vital Few. And uh, we're going through uh, one of these things every single week. And so this week is missional team service. And so Mm -hmm. we've got um, this short description of what we mean when we talk about this. So I'll read this and then we'll just break down each line. Cool. Sound good? I like it. All right. So uh, missional team service. Ridgeline exists for the singular mission of making disciples. Every ministry must move this mission forward. All missional teams exist to serve Jesus through the support of the Sunday worship service by striving for excellence in every area of ministry. Good? I still like that one. I do too. All right, good. So let's talk about this sentence by sentence. Yeah. So we start off with Ridgeline exists for the singular mission of making disciples. Sure. So for me, I think we talked about this a couple weeks ago, but this takes me back to the Great Commission that when you start a church, <clears throat> it's not really for a church planter to like go off into the mountains or go off into a field to come up with their own idea of what the mission is. Jesus right. gave, like, that's how cults start. Mm-hmm. So Jesus gave us the mission, go into all of the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe everything that I've commanded. That is the mission. The mission is to make disciples. So... Um, that means that we are trying to, to help people follow Jesus into deeper and deeper experiences of formation. That's what we're about. And it's really the only thing about. So what we're after then is really two things at all times. And all of this is in the Great Commission. We want to see non-believers coming to faith. Mm-hmm. So when Jesus says that these disciples should be baptized, in the name that means that they were not believers. Now they are. So mm-hmm. we want to see people coming to faith. And then we want to see believers being formed in Christ's image. And what's interesting is like when you think about a lot of the, when you think about types of churches, like they're bent, Mm -hmm. interestingly enough, churches tend to be bent in one of those two directions. So you have like the more like seeker oriented movement where a lot of people are getting saved. But Mm -hmm. one of the common complaints that you hear in that, and we both have a background in seeker sensitive churches as well. So we've seen the reality of it. Yeah. So a lot of time you have people that are, coming to faith in Jesus, but not really ever being taught how to actually follow him. Yeah, what now? Yeah, yeah. exactly. And so what you end up then, people go to the other kind of church, which is mm-hmm. like the church that's like super heavy on Bible, but nobody ever gets saved there. Sure. And there's, I think to be bent in one of those two directions is always problematic. Totally. Because you're not really making disciples unless both of those things are happening. So we have one mission. We don't have like 10 things we're trying to do. We have one thing. We right. want to make disciples to the best of our ability, right? Yep. So second thing is all of our ministries have to move that mission forward. So because we've been given such a clear mission, we have to ensure that every single thing we do moves the mission forward. And if it doesn't, we just don't do it. Right. So at Ridgeline, this was true at Redemption as well, we were super low programs mm-hmm. because we don't, you know, I don't, can't remember if we've ever talked about this on here, but it's not uncommon. I remember when we were, we were, when we planted Redemption about a year in, we were approached by a, another local church in the community about the possibility of merging mm-hmm. and I would become the lead pastor there because yes. their pastor was gone and you'd be the executive pastor, that whole thing. Mm-hmm. So we were like scoping them out on their website. I remember we went to the ministry page and I think you counted. Do you remember what the number was? How many ministries they had? It was something like, it was something in the 60s. I'm pretty positive. Yeah, I'm pr- I was going to say 70s. It was yeah. crazy high. Yeah, I mean, it and was. And it wasn't like 
like it wasn't like it wasn't Willow Creek. No, <laughs> it no, wasn't like some no massive uh-uh. church. It was just it was a mid-size church. Yep, that had like one mil, and it and it was and it was just so many crazy things yeah. <laughs> that just like a, a local church did not need to be doing. Yep, necessarily, absolutely. And so I think some people really prefer that, but we've really chosen. We kind of go all in on only the things that make disciples. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah, and I think that. Um, it, it's just, I, I think one of the reasons that a lot of pastors experience burnout is that someone comes to their church and is like, oh man, my last church had this. Mm-hmm. So here's a great example. We have uh, regularly, both at uh, Redemption and now here at Ridgeline, and I think it's changing because we're having some kids get older, mm-hmm. but we've had some people come and be like, well, what do you do for youth ministry? Mm-hmm. And I know countless pastors would then decide, you know what? I ha- I got to hire a youth person or the kids come over to my house on Sunday nights and we play games. Yeah. And all of a sudden you like, you're the de facto. Yeah. yeah. Pull your wife aside and you're like, Hey, we do youth group on Sunday nights now at our house. Just so you know. (laughs) And then, and then then you sleep on the couch for like three months. Yeah. Uh, And I think that there is this uh, need that, you know, and, and there are people who have come and gone from our churches just because we don't, have that. But the truth is, uh, even the few times that we've given it a go, we've had like, you know, not critical mask, but at least a handful of kids or something that would participate. Um, it just doesn't get there. Mm-hmm. And that's not something that we're going to spend a huge amount of time, energy and resource doing because what often happens in those cases is uh, you, you like do the flashy thing. Mm-hmm. All of the students from all the other churches in town just come to your youth group mm-hmm. and like draw on the time, energy and resources and then go back to their own churches. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so then you're beat yeah. And it doesn't really do much for your own church as far as like growing disciples and, mm-hmm. and, and just feeding into your church. Right. Um, and so I just think it's really important that you do narrow down and focus in on the things that you can do and the things that you can do well. I know that's kind of our, uh, one of our points here as well, but that's it. Right. And not a ton of extra stuff. Yeah. And I think the student ministry thing is a good example. Like, that I, I I genuinely do think unless you unless you somehow started with a team where you had a bunch of like middle school and high school students mm-hmm. that were a part of families that started your church, I I feel like there's nothing that's been harder to crack than that. Because yeah, you just have, you know, like so Ava now is in middle school, she'll yeah. be in high school not this year, but next. So like it's happening. They are aging up, Sure, but it's still like, we just still have at Ridgeline anyways, we have tons of babies being born. Tons. Yeah. And so many young children. So we've got a good children's ministry, but you know, like last year we had a, a group of three middle school girls Mm -hmm. that met with, uh, basically a small group leader in our church and did like Bible study together. Yeah. But that's what we could do. And so like, I think um, trying to, but I can't imagine, I know churches do this. I can't imagine hiring someone to like, for that. that. And my kid is one of the three that would benefit from it. As a matter of fact, for years we said, well, you know when we'll have a youth group? As soon as Ava's in and she is and we don't. Yeah. And you know what? I would say, don't be insecure and let your 
let those kids like build a partnership with some local church that has a good student ministry. My daughter, as we speak, is at another church's student ministry camp. Yeah. And I love that. I think that's great. And I'm not worried about her hating Ridgeline because she goes off to this or like, I think be humble enough to know what you're good at and outsource the rest, I guess. (laughs) Um, I think another thing that's important in our commitment to only having like one mission that we're moving forward. I think mm-hmm. one of the benefits of it is that it, it, we are able now to tell people who serve on any team in our church that they are like effectively a part of the mission, mm. which is why we don't call them ministry teams. We call them missional teams. Cause yeah. if you serve in any capacity, we have chosen to only have ministries that are a part of this mission of making disciples. So sure. everything we do is missional. Whereas in many churches, it's like, well, you're not missional unless you are doing the work of evangelism or you're serving the city in some capacity. And what we would say is we just think it's much more broad than that. Sure. Or they have the approach that, you know, unless you're on the stage at some point, it, yeah. it, it just doesn't really matter. It's, you know, that kind of thing. And I think, I've always had a deep passion for the behind the scenes right. teams and things and all of those kind of things. And Cause you're so, kind of like the equivalent of like a bridge troll in <laughs> ministry where okay. you're like, you hide out, you're under the, you, you pop up at random times to do the announcement and chase the Holy spirit away. Things like that. Oh, I don't, I, I just <laughs> Was that hurtful. Like, I just feel like I gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> No, but I think that that's, I think one thing I am so thankful for is I know you don't always love when I talk about us as partners in Mm -hmm. ministry. Like sometimes you don't love like the weight of like you, you like to know that you help serve me as a lead pastor, but I think of it differently. I very much do think we are partners in this. So just be okay with that. Mm -hmm. But we do talk about how we're like a left and a right hand, that I lead our church, you manage it. But one, I think, thing that is very, very good that I think more churches would benefit from is having another kind of co-partner person in an area of leadership that is a behind-the-scenes person. Because inevitably, when you don't have that, you don't value that service in the same way. It's easy to idolize people who are like stage creative people and to diminish the value of people who make coffee and open doors and play with kids. And I, we think that's crappy. Yeah. And I think it's helpful for the person in that type of role to also be in a high level of leadership Mm -hmm. because then they can ensure that that doesn't happen. Right. I mean, whether you, uh, you know, like lead our worship or play an instrument or, uh, unpack a trunk. Mm-hmm. You're there until the trailer door shuts, as That's I share right. every Sunday morning. Yeah, our There's musicians no, don't show yeah. up Mm-mm. and plug in. Their and chords reverse. are run, and this and that. Like you know, you know, you know when the when the drummer is ready to rehearse. As soon as he's done con- constructing the drum set, because yeah. we're mobile. Yes, yeah. <laughs> so. and I say I say this as an ex worship pastor, but you always hear pastors like complain and moan about like the diva nature of mm-hmm. the worship team. Meanwhile, you have a structure where they show up an hour after setup's done, they plug in, they mm-hmm. rehearse and go. Yep. You know who unloads our trailer? Our musicians. Absolutely. Yeah. Every single Sunday, yeah. they're the first people there. So our lead pastor, our executive pastor, and the musicians. Yep. The trailer guy's busy like pulling it into place and all of that. The rest of our team, as far as like setup and here, doesn't even show up that early. Right. And yeah. I know I'm, I know that there's probably some pastors like, well, I need, I need that time to prep. And mm-hmm. cool, I do that too. 
I just get to the office beforehand to mm-hmm. do that because, and I don't mean to sound like pretentious and arrogant about this, no. but I really do believe like, I mean, we're in a position where we, I don't need to be there to set up pipe and drape. No. Like we can find someone else to do that. We have plenty of volunteers. Yeah. I really do believe two things. One, it's good for my soul to be involved sure. in that kind of humbling ministry. Yep. It's not sexy to set up pipe and drape. No. It's just not. But it's good for my soul to do that. Mm-hmm. And then secondly, it's really good for my relationships. Yep. I have a much more intimate relationship with the people who serve on all of our teams because I'm part of it. I'm yep. not just the person who rolls in to, like I get dropped off at the back door and I roll in and teach and then roll out. Right. Like I'm there to help with all of it. Yeah. And that's, again, good for my soul and it's been very good for my relationships. And I really think that more pastors, lead pastors, pastors in particular, would benefit, especially in the church planting world, sure. from being a part of that work. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's right. Because I, um, I think by Sunday morning, I, I hope, and, and I say this not as a preacher, so mm-hmm. if this is insensitive, I apologize, but it should be pretty buttoned up by then. I called you so, a bridge troll, okay? We're way fair. past sensitive. That's fair. Don't worry about that. I, you called me a bridge troll, and I said your sermon should be buttoned up by Sunday morning. <laughs> so I just feel like that, that yeah. thing you get paid yeah. to do all week, be do done that. by the time it's ready yeah. to go, you know? Yeah, I think, I mean... Sometimes stuff comes up, you have an insane week, a bunch of, you know, relational, like, tragedy, maybe that happens once in a while. But in general, if you have a habit of not finishing your sermon until Saturday night or Sunday morning, then Mm -hmm. you have a preparation problem, a calendaring problem, a priority problem, and it needs to be solved. And the people on the slides hate you so much. Oh, yeah, so much. (laughs) Who, Who does our slides? Uh, I do. Yep. Yeah. That's right. I do. <laughs> that's what nobody can hate you for. It. That's right. You change them. You sometimes log in on I change Sunday them morning. on Sunday that's morning, right. but I'm the one that's as long my as problem. the internet's working and it syncs, we're good. I did. I did add like a a video clip on last Sunday morning, which I, I almost never use them, and you did have to solve that problem because that one it was beyond me. It's okay. Let this be a public apology for that. No. It, well, and it was. In all fairness, I knew. I think my investment because you so. I appreciate the public apology. You did not present it as though it had to be done, mm-hmm. but I knew what you were trying to convey. Mm-hmm. And like, I have attended every church you've been a pastor of for the mm-hmm. last, whatever number of years. And you're a great storyteller, but this story needed to be told with the video clip. It was I just, I'd seen it. I knew what we were talking about and I needed it to not be retold. Right. So for, yeah. for context, this is worth a sidebar because yeah, yeah. if someone's oh, not gosh. seen this video, they need, need to, to look find it. Up. it. Yeah. yeah. So <clears throat> we're both big fans of uh, America's Got Talent, and uh, my kids love it. So we watch it as a family. And a couple of weeks ago, there was a woman who came on, and her name's Jane, and she goes, she's a singer, and mm-hmm. goes by the name Nightbird as a singer. Yep. She uh, has is on her third. She's thirty years old and on her third bout of cancer. And this time it's in her spine, her liver, and I believe her lungs. Mm. And she has a 2% chance of survival. And she is a believer. And she was so unbelievable. Like not, not, I mean, her song that she wrote and performed was amazing. Yeah. But it was her attitude and her disposition that was so mind blowing so much so that it brought the notoriously cynical Simon Cowell to tears. So I had plans because I'm teaching through Philippians and I was using the example of like Paul's in prison and he still has joy. So there is a way to do that. And I felt like she was a real time example of someone who had done that well. And so 
I was going to tell that story. And then I was like, I mean, this clip is on YouTube. We should for sure just include the clip because it was so powerful. Mm. And it was. So that's why we included it. So Mm -hmm. all that to say, uh, if you have not seen that, Nightbird, AGT, go watch that clip. I promise you a good six-minute cry. Oh, yeah. Or you're a soulless human being. For sure. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. So Ridgeline exists for the singular mission of making disciples. Um, every ministry must move that mission forward. And mm-hmm. so then finally we come to this. All missional teams exist to serve Jesus through the support of the Sunday worship service by striving for excellence in every area of ministry. Yeah. So to contextualize that a little bit, um, most of the service opportunities in our church, not exclusively, but by and large, the majority of them do exist um, and are focused on Sunday mornings. And the yeah. reason for that is um, we are a portable church. Mm-hmm that as we've just talked about is relaunching for the second time. Mm -hmm. Um, And it takes a lot of work to like set up, tear down, make the thing work on Sunday mornings. Mm -hmm. And so the majority of our missional, so we call all of our teams that serve on Sunday mornings, they're all missional teams Mm -hmm. because they're all focused in that area. Yep. Um, So tell, talk a little bit about uh, the teams that we currently have now. Yep. So as long as you are very skilled in, Backing up a trailer, you can be on the trailer team because uh, yep. we've got a small garage and a big trailer, all that. Uh, we've also got our uh, kind of worship team team or band mm-hmm. team. Yep. Uh, we've got our production team, which is just a couple of people. It's like production means slides or it means sound. Sound, media, and lighting. Yeah. But lighting is run by... It's just two people yeah. on Sundays, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, so that's what I mean. We're like, we just got two. That's yep. it. Yep. Um, and then I sit on the side and try to help when I can. Yeah. And we stream and all of that is handled by two people. Yeah. If you come past the table, a lot of iPads. Yeah. But you can do a lot remotely. It looks like mission control. It does, for sure. But it's, it works and it's yep. great. Uh, and then we've got our guest services team. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got a Ridgeline Kids team. And that's it. And you already mentioned trailer. Yeah. Right. So in the past, we also had what we call the utility team. Yep. Which was a small group that, you know, mainly like their job was like, I think about it in terms of like sometimes in football, there's a utility back, which is a running back that can kind of do a little bit of everything, but isn't specialized in any one thing. Yeah. And that's the way we thought about this team. Yep. They pulled the trailer, they helped with setup, tear down all the different areas. But by, I mean, that's one of the lessons that for us that came out of, the shutdown of COVID and then coming back, you did a great job of just going like, I wonder if we could shift some things around and utilize sure. less people on Sunday. And yeah. we basically were able to eliminate an entire team yeah. and then shift those that service elsewhere. Yeah, either into Ridgeline Kids, a couple, or mainly into guest services. And I think the big thing is, uh, what I would encourage you to do as you're thinking about your teams mm-hmm. is to think about it. Uh, so when I worked for Starbucks, we did an awful lot of work and focus on what's called like lean thinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, Toyota sort of yeah. uh, started this, but it's this idea that if you can spread the workload out evenly, you can get more done with little movement and this and that. And so the way we load the trailer, everything's number, you know, we really put a lot of time and energy into constructing all of that. Yeah. But then really what it was a matter of looking at the workload of each person who was coming on Sunday morning. And you have to think about it a little bit, a uh, workload, a little bit like a bar graph. And what I noticed was our utility team people, their bar was huge. But then we had this guest services team that was showing up uh, shortly before service, uh, 
started Mm -hmm. and they would like smile and be friendly, which is very important. I don't mean to dismiss that. Right. However, they can do more. The utility team was coming at like, Oh, dark 30. Right. And the guest services team. And so as I looked at, right. Well done. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And as I looked at the bar graph, Mm -hmm. I just saw if we chopped, you know, if we, we made a line across Mm -hmm. and tried to make everyone even, how can we do that in a way that no one, and I will say prior to COVID, um, there were definitely times where if I was on utility or leading it, like you were sweaty and tired and Mm -hmm. cranky. And honestly, I don't know that anyone's getting too sweaty anymore. Only our Uh, air was broke a few weeks ago in our auditorium and that sucked. Yeah. But not based on your service. No, Uh, you would have been standing there and sweaty. Right. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I think that uh, we've come up with a way where everyone has to do a little bit. Mm-hmm. And that's even why we say whether, you know, man, woman, we don't have too many children serving, but like uh, you're done serving when the trailer door is up. Yeah. And I think that instead, and before we used to let people go and different teams would go at different times and this and that. And the truth is everything's on casters and pushable. I mean, mm-hmm. your kids usually push some mm-hmm. stuff out to the loading area. Yeah. And so it's very easy. Everyone can participate. And they do. As a matter of fact, we had some people uh, standing around the other week. And we have a couple of ladies who are best described as grandmothers. Mm-hmm. And they <laughs> best described as. Yeah. They we, we have one. We have one woman in particular. Her name's Debbie. Yep. Um, and. I have no idea how old Debbie is. Mm-hmm. I know that Debbie has jet white hair. Yeah. And she is a baller. She, like, like the only thing, like, she's so into it that sometimes she starts breaking down right away after yeah. church. And so you have to say, like, Debbie, hold for just a minute. Right. But outside, I mean, she is on it yeah. and never, like, I, you know, I mean, there was, we were kind of loading the trailer and... Um, and her and her friend, another person who comes to our church, Rose, Mm -hmm. they were there and you could tell they were like ready to be done for the day. And so they loaded most of that trailer, the two of them. And I looked at some of our guys standing off and I was like, do you feel good about yourself? Yeah. 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 (laughs) It's an appropriate, an appropriate degree of shaming taking place by these two women. It's like Rose had the pipe and drapes (laughs) on her arm and like a crate and the other thing who meanwhile recently had surgery. So that's right. Uh, But anyway, yeah, yeah. No, they're, they are awesome. I think about, um, when I was thinking about like, so what are the benefits of even trying to get people to serve in this capacity? I I think of two things in particular. One is, uh, we need help getting things set up and torn down. Yep. And I think to your point, when you properly distribute the load, it isn't too much work for any one person. Mm -hmm. And sometimes one of the things that is so exhausting about, portable church yeah. is when you have just a few people doing all the work. That's yeah. awful. So the big benefit, one big benefit is it distributes the work more evenly. But yeah. then secondly, and I think this is the one that gets the most overlooked, especially in new churches, is it is a tremendous relationship building opportunity. Absolutely. Like some of the deepest relationships get formed, not always in meetups, but yep. sometimes in these serving opportunities Absolutely. where you get to spend four or five hours, you know, shoulder to shoulder with some of these people. Mm-hmm. And it's one of my favorite things about walking through the lobby when guest services gets there at 830 and starts setting up is getting to observe and to hear all of these new conversations mm-hmm. and new relationships that are being built. Yep. Now, I do know 
that a lot of churches have a hard time. I've heard pastors bemoan, it's hard to get people to serve. Can't get anybody to volunteer. I can't get anybody to serve. Um, both at Redemption and now at Ridgeline, you have always helped us have a high percentage of people who serve. Mm, thank you. So what do you think are some of the, like, top of your head, some of the primary obstacles that maybe people don't think through that are keeping people from serving in their churches? Yeah, well, I think it has to start off as being one of those people you mentioned just a minute ago about one of those people who feel like you have to do it all and it's a lot of work and all of that. Um, there's something faulty in your system. Because I actually believe that large in part, all of our churches are filled with people who are willing to do things. Mm -hmm. I think a couple of things. One, some some people in that behind-the-scenes role have a Messiah complex where mm -hmm. they want to be the only one who know the answers to the questions. Mm -hmm. The only one, and I went through that for a large, like it felt good when everyone would come to me. And now yeah. every time someone comes to me, I view it as a failure. Mm -hmm. I view that I could so have good. provided a resource, I could have provided a tool, I could mm -hmm. have, you know, and again, if you do any sort of like looking into the idea of lean thinking as it pertains to your church setup. We have a lot of uh, diagrams. We have things. Uh, I'm a big fan. I know this is going to come as a surprise to our listeners of planning center. Yeah. And I could have guessed that with two yeah, guesses. Yeah. yeah. Uh huh. That or Costco. Yep. Uh, yeah. But, <laughs> That's exactly uh, right. <laughs> or Disney. See, there's a few, mm -hmm. uh, but I think uh, they have an app if you serve and that's what we use to schedule teams and do our service. And I have a lot of pictures of things in there. And, and the number of times people ask me for how do we set up these? So we use uh, these kind of pop up things that really add some kind of our personality and flavor to our space. It's got this long, ugly burgundy wall. And mm -hmm. so we use these pop-ups. I don't love flavor. No, no, I didn't. I don't like that hmm. description. Cool. So much that you wanted to derail my thought process. That's good. That's good. Great. Anyway, so our flavor or whatever is more appropriate. Yeah. Um, but they have an order. Right. And people ask me, well, Tyler, what's the order? Yeah. And I will say you know what? It's in the app. Cause mm -hmm. genuinely I've gotten to the point. I don't know. Yeah. I didn't design them. I'm not the designer. I was a part of the decision-making process, but right. there's like statements and then like abstract images. But there's literally a picture that shows the yeah. exact order you and layout. Open the app, you click on it and then you can look even where they go and how they go. Yep. Um, I think that. So um, number one, just so I want people mm, to really capture this. So sure. the, the first reason is that sometimes you have, like the problem solving setup person that has sort of this, it feels good to be meaningful. Mm -hmm. And so as a result, they hoard information. Yeah. So they're the only ones so they get to be the savior. So yep. that's problem number one. Yep. What's number two? Uh, I think problem number two is uh, you don't have a good system for getting people plugged in. I got to tell you, I, I tell people this all the time. You sign up this week, you might be serving next week. Yep. Especially if it's the end of the month and I haven't done the schedule yet, you are You're in. probably going to be on. Yep. And, and I love that. And we get people plugged in right away because... I do agree uh, as a big, like getting people connected to the church, even though that that is difficult at times. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's very, very important that um, we get people connected as quickly as possible. And that is a way that I know they're going to be connected yeah. uh, right away because they're serving with other people. It, excuse me, in our most recent situation, yep. uh, other people who are brand new, yep. but that's great. Then get connected to the new people. New sure. likes new. It's great. It's all awesome. Wonderful. Um, and also, I, I would say because you and I, and this would be another plug I would make for why pastors should be a part of this, mm -hmm. we're there. Like, yeah, we are absolutely. there serving, which means they also get to interact. For sure. And it's not like I still meet with people, like new people, mm -hmm. for you know 30 to 60 minutes to just 
cast vision, sure. share stories, all that kind of stuff. But in a very relational capacity, yep. it's another opportunity for people to interact with us. And I think it's an opportunity for us to start depositing some culture DNA. Yeah, I know one of the things good. we're going to get to um, in a minute here, but I'm just going to go right for it, is this idea of striving for excellence in mm-hmm. every area of ministry. I think we help people understand from even that part of service, we're going to do things right. Here's a great example even from this last week that mm-hmm. uh, that was a little bit hard. So uh, I came out, we use static clings on a window. Right. If you're in a mobile space and you don't, they're super cheap and you yeah. should because they really help your space feel like they yours. Yep. And so you come up and it's very welcoming. It says, welcome to Ridgeline. And there, there's one that says, welcome to Ridgeline. And our, our designers who are fantastic are really obsessed with dots right now. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. They just are. We got dots everywhere. As far as the eye can yeah. see, there's dots. And so there are <laughs> dots. Just... Go to Reeve. Is it reborn.church? Is that their, uh, yeah, is that their so. website? Go to reborn.church. That'd be a place to see it. Because when you say our designers are amazing and they're obsessed with dots, it's not the best plug for them. That's fair. They yeah. are they are very good designers. Or go to myxp.church and yeah. you can like you, you get can, reborn. There's services. a link there. They're amazing. <laughs> but right now we do have a lot, we of, have dots, a lot of dots. And the dots make sense. But as you are a... Uh, a volunteer cling putter upper who mm-hmm. is trying to wrap your mind around why this church does this every week. Yeah. Um, and uses like a level and spray. Oh, yeah. and... And, and you don't think about it. So you just put them up. Yep. Well, I came out and I didn't notice because the dots are to me abstract. They do have a rhyme or reason. Yeah. And so one was correct and one was not. Uh-oh. And it actually made our logo, which is a mountain, mm-hmm. and it works forwards and backwards, but there is only one right way, as our designers would tell you. Yeah. And Quite so it, it was up the wrong way. And so I got asked, Tyler, what should we do? And it was getting close to the service. And full disclosure, this was a rough week. Everything that could go wrong did. It was a dumpster and, fire. Yeah, it was yeah. a dumpster fire. That's a better way to say it. Yeah. And um, I didn't care about the clings. Yeah. And I didn't. I didn't want to. I didn't want to be a pastor. Sure. Anyway. Oh, well, I didn't I care almost, about the clings. So. I almost quit seven times. Yeah. In oh, one day, I almost just got my keys and went home. <laughs> I was like, well. I might come back next week. I might not. We'll see. But I literally went home and I told Tammy, this was one of those weeks that makes me never want to preach again. <laughs> Fair enough. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. But so the, it was on backwards and I got asked, you know, Tyler, like, what, what should we do? Cause it's yeah. backwards. And someone realized and the other people had done it and, you know, I felt bad calling it out. And so I just, I looked at the time and I thought, you know what? It's going to be all right. I said, but when our designers show up, it's Matt and Megan are their mm-hmm. names, uh, they might say something. Yeah. <laughs> and what I appreciate is this person had served long enough to know that even in asking me, the decision mm-hmm. maker, I made the wrong decision. And so she looked at me and she was like, really? And in that moment, I knew, no, yeah. we need to pull it off. Yeah. We need to flip it around. Yeah. And we need to do it again. And, and the truth is, it took somebody about five minutes. Those clings are not hard. Yeah. But I think what I love about what that service does is it gives us the ability to build relationship with them and to also instill the culture. They recognize that we're going to strive for excellence, even if that means doing the job twice. Yeah. And also, again, it was a failure on my part because guess what wasn't in the app? There was no picture of how mm-hmm. they should go up. And so you were supposed to just understand the dot situation mm-hmm. and know how to do it. And you that's not fair. And yeah. so I took a picture and I'm remembering in this moment, I still haven't uploaded it into the app, but I'm gonna. <laughs> All right, good. <laughs> I think another thing that I think about that is a big 
I think, obstruction to people mm. being able to serve is I think that I completely agree with you that I think that most people are willing. Yeah. Um, I think that, I guess I'd say two things. One is I think that if another reason why the load needs to be distributed mm-hmm. is to invite people to something that is crushing is, is not a good, is that's sure. not an easy thing to pitch. Whereas I think what we're able to say to everyone is regardless of the role and the manner in which you serve, it's not crushing. Yep. And so I think that's a big thing. I think a really big thing that I always think about is I really don't think a lot of people know their need. That, yeah. that there is need yeah, for absolutely. people to serve. I think if someone shows up and someone um, says hello to them, someone opens a door for them, somebody sings and somebody teaches and there's someone to take my kid for an hour and a half, mm-hmm. then they assume like, I guess they have all the they're good. all the bases yeah, are covered. Yeah. So they're good. And they don't think there's a need. So I just think there's a constant opportunity to cast vision for contribution. Absolutely. We're not just here to consume. We're here to contribute. We have tons of opportunities to serve. It's a great way for you to make friends, for you to be able to contribute meaningfully to the mission. And most people are like, yeah, that's great. Sign me up. Absolutely. And I think one of the things we say regularly is that the staff of the church is uh, exists to equip the saints for ministry, right. not do the ministry. Right. And so I think putting yourself in a place where you help people understand, we are so happy to provide the ministry that you're willing to serve and yeah. execute. Because I think even as we came back from COVID, I had countless pastors ask me the, the age-old question, when do you relaunch kids ministry? Mm-hmm. It, w- it was very perplexing. No one mm-hmm. knew. And, and, and how do you hold kids who are crying and you're not sure if you're supposed to and all mm-hmm. of this kind of stuff. And then you ran into the issue of no one wanted to serve in that area because yeah. they just weren't sure where those kids were all week long. Yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah. And I just feel like, where, um, where do you think these kids have been? I, well, I don't know. Just, just like, just, just like chomping, chomping down on some COVID. I, I've been with a kid who like <laughs> millions of hands touched and he like licked the handrail. So <laughs> eating I, COVID I, crackers all week. Yeah. I watched that and that's, that's a kid I love. So yep. I just feel like it happens. That was not one of my kids. No, it was that not licked, one of your that kids. licked a handrail. No, huh, my, my kids yours. are, Mm-mm. they've been raised by me. They don't, that's, that's nasty. We <laughs> don't lick handrails. Daddy's not going <laughs> to hug me if I lick a handrail. So that's hundred uh, <laughs> percent true. <laughs> Regardless though. And so my advice to every one of those pastors and it worked in every situation was you just send a message out to the parents of the kids and the church. Cause there's two things happening right now. One the church is getting real frustrated with all the noisy crying kids in the service. Mm-hmm. And two, the parents would love that opportunity to really engage. Focus, yeah. And so you send it out to everyone and you say, listen, church, I believe based on what the CDC has said and all this business, we're ready. And the moment we have enough people to serve in that area, we would love to reopen it. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden... You yeah. got enough people to serve. And and we had stair-stepped into it. We oh, started yeah. with childcare. Yep. So it was like we put a Disney movie on yeah. and we had toys set out. Disney Plus on my iPad plugged That's into the it. projector and go. And then and what? Cars. Two weeks ago, three weeks ago, we started back into curriculum and teaching. Two weeks ago, I think. Four. No, it was, was June, it, four? it was the beginning of June. Okay. Yeah. So for yeah, four. Right. Yep. And it was great. And, yeah. and that has worked out really well as well. But we well. went February, March, April, May. Four months yeah. with just childcare. Yep. Because that's all we could do. Yep. We didn't have enough people to be able to execute what we wanted to with excellence. Yep. 
and then nailed uh, it. Yeah, let nailed the record it. show that Tyler just winked at me, pointed at winked, <laughs> pointed at our notes, and then winked at me. <laughs> and he knows I find nothing more uncomfortable than being winked at in any context, including emoji, including winks. the I hate the oh, the winky man. emoji. That is Here, just creepy. If you have Ryan's phone number, which is three, no, uh, <laughs> send him a winky emoji for mm. me, please. Mm-mm. Especially the one that's real creepy with the sideways smile. He really loves that I'm one. pretty generous with my cell phone number. Uh-huh. And so if I get like a hundred texts with winky emojis, <laughs> our friendship is over. No, it's not. No, it's not. Uh, <laughs> There's no end to it. Oh, uh, gosh. All right, uh, yeah, so let me let me it. let me reiterate this okay. just as we close. So again, missional team service. Ridgeline exists for the singular mission of making disciples. Every ministry must move that mission forward. Mm-hmm. All missional teams exist to serve Jesus through the support of the Sunday worship service by striving for excellence in every area of ministry. That's what we're working on, and that's what we would commend to you as well. Uh, I just want to reiterate that if anyone, uh, every single week of this series, we've had a handful of people reach out and say they would love to get a copy of this document. Mm -hmm. We're happy to give it away, so just let us know uh, if you want that, and we will email that to you. Um, Anything? Any closing thoughts on missional team service? Are you good? No, I mean, I just think um, making sure that your people under, I just feel like, at any point that our people stop serving, mm-hmm. we're not doing service anymore. I mean, you did a whole service through all of COVID with a phone all by yourself. Mm-hmm. So if that's what people want Ridgeline Church to be, then that's what it can be. Yeah. If we want it to be anything other than that, yeah. it has to be the we. Because yeah. we're not going to keep hiring. We're not going to keep driving. I'm not going to show up even earlier to make it happen. Yeah. We have to do it. I did lead worship and preach a couple weeks ago. Yeah, well, that was good. It wasn't. It was, it was it. not, well, I'm glad you liked it. I didn't like it. I didn't enjoy it. All right. But it okay. wasn't a choice. It was, we just had like 10 things happen to the myriad of worship leaders that we had. <laughs> and somehow. We do. I was For out of retirement. church, we have a, a, a good sized band and it's been. We do. It's been. Summer's rough, the summer, man. man. Yeah. Well, and revenge travel. Oof. Revenge. Well, that's another episode. Don't that's get into a, revenge oh, travel. Okay. We'll talk about, maybe we'll do that for the, we'll let you talk about your Mexico trip. That was revenge travel a couple weeks ago. <laughs> on me, though. It, somehow COVID revenged on me. Oh, yeah. COVID won, and so did Mexico. Uh, yeah. All the things. You lost on every front. I, I lost every way. <laughs> all right. Well, we're going to be back next week uh, with another one of our vital few. Um, but if this is your first time joining us, thank you so much uh, for listening. If you've enjoyed it. Um, you can help us. If you didn't enjoy it, just feel free to turn it off and don't do anything I'm about to tell you. Yeah. (laughs) Just keep that to yourself. But if you did enjoy it, subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You can leave us a review wherever you listen. And then thirdly, we would love to connect with you on social media, which is the best way to also reach out to us if you want a copy of The Vital Few. So you can find me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at at Ryan Hughley. That's H-U-G-U-L-E-Y. And you can find me on the same platforms at at Tyler Dravitz. That's D-R-E-W-I-T-Z. Thanks so much for listening, and we will be back next week. Bye-bye. Ooh. Oldie but a goodie. <laughs> <laughs>